0: They're focusing on woulda, coulda, shoulda, and why me, and why her, or why, you know, why him. They're focused on that rearview mirror. And I say, you need to change your focus to the windshield. You need to look outwardly at the next great chapter, but please make sure to glance back periodically into that rearview mirror so you can consider, what did you learn? Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough.
1: I, I had, had to make some decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do. And-, and this is Failing Forward. Well, listeners, today is my last episode, and I have a friend a mentor and an expander for me. Today, Peg Rupert is here with us. She is the uh, partner at Advantage Performance Group. She's a leadership coach. She's now transitioned into another phase of her life. Uh, I don't like to call it a second act, but maybe a second life. She is recently the author of Rediscover You Post-Divorce, and she... She has always been a light for me and uh, just a a great role model. So welcome, Peg.
0: Thank you, Sarah. So glad to be here. I can't believe it's your last episode because I've listened and enjoyed to so many, but I'm honored to be a part of Failing Forward. Well,
1: I feel like it was definitely fate. Listeners, we will get into this later, but I've got a a fantastic story of where, Peg, definitely you spoke some truth to me and, and I listened. All right, my friend. Tell me about where you grew up, what your family was like. My listeners love to hear about that.
0: Absolutely. So I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and spent the better part of my life there. There were some stops in um, California, Chicago, and Kansas City. but I raised my kids here, so I consider Cincinnati to be, you know, kind of home to me.
1: And but you grew but you were born. You were born here. you grew up here.
0: I was. I was born here, and then my parents moved to California for a couple of okay. years. And so I lived in um, near Stanford, and then we came back here to Cincinnati, where I spent most of my life, and went to college here, um, both my undergraduate and my master's at the University of Cincinnati. Okay. And then I went, and then I... Had a little bit of time in Chicago for my first job, and then uh, moved to Kansas City soon after I was married. Peg uh, I came back here to raise my kids, right?
1: Which is because it's always a great place to raise your kids. Peg, family, mom stay at home, mom work. What was the family sure dynamic?
0: Well, I had a really interesting family dynamic, Sarah. Um, I'm the f- third um, child, but I'm also kind of a bit of a blessing child. So I have a sister who's seven years older than I am. Um, My brother was born both mentally and physically disabled, Mm. severely disabled. He didn't walk or talk. And my parents were actually told not to have any more children. And four years later, my mom was pregnant and they had a decision to make. And my dad had actually, he went to St. John's University in New York, and he had actually originally studied to be a priest. And it was very clear to my parents that um, regardless of the outcome, they were going to have this this baby. And that is me. Mm -hmm. And in fact, my nickname most of my life for my dad was Bright Eyes, because when I was born... Um, of course it was hours and hours and hours. And my dad was in the waiting room. It's not like today right. where, you know, the dad's hands on and right there. Um, the nurse came out and said, don't worry, she's a bright eyes. And that's how they knew I was okay.
1: You know what? And you are, yeah, and you literally are. That's so amazing.
0: Thank you. Oh, listeners, Thank you're you. going to hear yep. that
1: in yeah. Peg's life and optimism. Uh, glass is always half full. Okay. So can I ask you about your brother? So did your brother, did your parents care for your brother in your home or did he have to go? They they did. They cared for my brother. Okay.
0: Nope. They cared for my brother in our home, our entire life. And so, you know, when you talk about gratitude and like life lessons, like I just learned so much, you know, being that I was that blessing that, you know, bright eyes child to them. But I also was so cognizant of all that they gave up and all that they did for my brother. It really is, it's an important part. We could have a whole podcast about that because it's, it's, it really formed my faith and the person that I am today and that gratitude perspective. Um, I do remember when I was about, oh, 16 or 17, my friends and I, instead of going to church, we'd go to um, Our Lady of McDonald's. Oh my God, I knew you were going to we, say it. I
1: knew you were going to say it. I was going to say McDonald's.
0: Yeah. And then we'd drive through. Yeah, we'd drive through the church parking lot and our friends who were passing out the the sure would hand us a miscellette. Yeah. And one day I came home, you know, from church, Mm -hmm. Lady McDonald's, and, you know, brought the Missalette in, and my dad was sitting there on the couch with my brother, and he said, how was mass? And I said, oh, it was fine, blah, 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 and he said, listen, I know that you're not going to church. You're 16, 17 years old. This is your choice, but I want to be clear, and he's sitting there on the couch with his arm around my brother who does not walk or talk, Mm -hmm. watching Lawrence Welk on a Sunday morning. And he said, here's the deal. It's your choice. If you continue to go to church or not, this is your decision to make. But I want you to understand that if you don't have a faith in something greater than yourself, then everything that happens in your life, you need to blame yourself. If you have a faith, you'll know that it was God's plan. And that— was just so faith-forming because he's sitting there with my brother reminding me that he and my mom believed in their in their heart and through their faith that they were chosen Hmm. to be the parents of my brother and it was because of their faith that they were able to get through it in fact he actually said to me do you think your mom and i had we not had the faith we had would be continue to be married would you think that we would have been able to get through this had we not had such a deep faith? And so I have a number of faith formation experiences in my life, but that was one of them. Mm. And I've always said that to my kids, like, you know, just I want you to believe in something greater than yourself. I want you to have a faith and um, know that there's a reason why things happen.
1: I love that you're saying this because of almost every guest that I've had on, they believed in something higher than themselves. So they went through a tough time. And not everybody had a faith in a higher power. It could be reliance on community or family or your values to hold, but something greater than themselves uh-huh. they had a belief in. And I, I think it's for this heroic model that I've created around resiliency that's the first part of it, which is believe in something higher than yourself. Yeah. Because we're not meant to live on an island. We're just not. And it's. We're not. Um, What is your brother's name?
0: My brother's name was Tommy. Tommy. Um, So my brother, my father passed away um, sadly in 1992. Actually, just before I was married, just a couple of months before I was getting married. Um, and my brother and my mom then continued to live on. And my brother, after my mom passed away, which was in 2001, um, I was actually my brother's guardian. Okay. And so my brother passed away just about six years ago. Oh, he
1: lived a long um, time. But he lived
0: a long, he did. He lived a long full life. They didn't expect that he would live past 12 or 13 years old because of lung development. Um, but my parents cared for him so well. And, um, he went to a wonderful place, um, when my mom passed away called St. Joseph's home, which is in Cincinnati, uh, that provided amazing care. Mm -hmm. And so, and it was a place where I could be actively involved with him and, um, and enjoy the time he had on this earth.
1: Love that. All right. So that was your older, that, that was your older brother. And then you had an older sister.
0: I have an older sister, Janet. Yep, Janet. Absolutely. She's um, seven years my senior, um, but we're really close and, you know, have had a great friendship and relationship our whole lives. And she lives here in Cincinnati as I well. I think
1: that, uh, so my sister is, I will say six years older. She will correct me and say five and a half. But I think that age gap <laughs> is really nice. Um, it's wor- it, it has worked for us. She's like a big sister. It really yeah. has. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's it's such a gift. Okay, Peg. So what we want to talk about today is really around rediscovering yourself post-divorce. And so can you give us the story of how this work came about for you and, and the impetus of it?
0: Sure absolutely. Um, well, I was married for 25 almost 25 years um, coming up on 25 years and um, you know like so many women today who are you know in their 50s there's a there's a similar story. Um, you know my husband ended up having a relationship outside of our marriage and unfortunately it ended our marriage so and it was a kind of a bit of a surprise for me. I mean I knew it, um, before the world knew it, but it was a surprise for me when I figured it out mm-hmm. that, you know, our relationship was not going to last. i w I'm a person that when I'm commit, I'm kind of all in. Yes. And so I just would have never anticipated that to happen. So it was what I call kind of a midlife curveball. Wait, how um, old were you, you know, when that happened? Uh, well, 51, 52. Okay
1: when okay. that happened.
0: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it's been in the last six years and, you know, it's a very difficult situation. It's a grieving kind of thing. When you go through a divorce, as some of your listeners may have done, or the, maybe their parents went through a divorce, they know that it's like a grieving process. It's like losing a close person in your life to death. You go through the same kind of process when you go through a divorce. And so
1: you know my mom used to always say, my mom used to always say she believed it was harder for her friends who went through divorce versus her losing her husband to to death. And I will never know because I've never lost a husband to death, but I will say that losing a husband to divorce feels uh pretty awful. Yeah.
0: Yes. It is. It's pretty awful and so many women don't recover from it. Um, you know, I'm just, I mean, I was in the depths of some depression and some darkness, which because of my normal kind of optimistic gratitude based bright eyes personality, it was, it just hit me. And so it took me a while to kind of dig myself out of how I felt and, Really focus on the tools that I needed to rediscover my life, and because for so many women, and this includes me, when you go through this, you kind of lose your identity. So you know, when you've been married for a long time, you have an identity, and, and, and it's where right?
1: it's in question. I don't know if I felt like I—I uh-huh. I don't know if I felt like I lost it, but it was for sure in question.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And you're a part of a community, Mm -hmm. whether it be your church or a club that you might be a membership of or or the couple friends that you're a part of, the school friends that you have, you know, you have this kind of community as a couple. And then in my case, I actually had married into a lovely, very large family who I absolutely love. And so, you you know, all of those pieces, all of a sudden your identity comes into question. Like, who am I? Without that, you know, without those couple friends and without those that those family members and and all of those kinds of things, so it's an identity crisis at some level. It's also a crisis of confidence Mm -hmm. um, for many when you go through this kind of situation because you really are questioning your value, your your worthiness if another person chose to leave do you,
1: you. okay, so that's what I was going to say. do you think there's a question of confidence when there's been some betrayal you know some infidelity uh, and or if somebody just decides to leave like maybe not just the betrayal or infidelity, but if they decide to leave I guess you would question confidence either way. Yeah.
0: You really you really do. I, I talk now to so many women who are in the midst of this or who have gone through this. And I found it regardless of the infidelity, um, for some that you know heightens their, you know, their sense of um worth. or their lack of confidence, yeah. but their worth. But for many, regardless of that, when this kind of marriage breaks up, they feel like, you know, why me? Why not me? Um, why would I not be? Why would you not choose me? Yes. So
1: that was that was probably one of the biggest things for me was why did he choose her over me? What was wrong? What is mm-hmm. wrong? What? And where am I not good enough? What did I do wrong? And yep. uh, how did I yep. fail the marriage? And I remember my therapist. I had this. Oh my god! I had the best therapist. Uh, at the time. I have the best therapist now. My original one retired. He was like 80-something male. And he said to me, I kept blaming myself, and he said to me, Sarah, Mm -hmm. I know you want to take accountability for it, but you want to take accountability for it because you want to fix it, not because you want to accept what happened. And I thought, Uh, oh. Powerful. My God. You know, because I wanted to blame my. I wanted to control and blame my blame myself for for everything
0: that happened. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you can't. Um, you absolutely can. And when I'm talking to women, and and actually, I wrote this in the book. You know, when I get to, I, I suggest to people, by the way, that they go to a therapist if they need a therapist. Like, there's a there's a part of that grieving process where for many people they need a therapist, and I'm kind of past the therapist part. When they're at the point where they're starting to really look forward and kind of look out that big windshield of of the next chapter of their life. That's where I kind of come in. However, I also always... Pig, I think
1: you can come in, like I know what you're saying, because you said, get the therapist and get the divorce attorney first, and then you can come in. But I think, I mean, I'm at the place where I need you now, but I'm going to still maintain seeing the therapist. So I think it's a both.
0: Oh, Yes, absolutely. So yes, many people will continue to see the therapist, but when they're, but they're, when they're past that kind of anger and bargaining and depression stage yes. and they're moving to the yes, I'm ready yes. stage, that's where I come in. But I do always say, and I, I've said this to myself, when writing the book, I spent a lot of time reflecting kind of on myself and what could I have done To um, positively impact our marriage. And, you know, as I thought about it, there were plenty of things as I look in the rearview mirror that I could have done differently. And so, and and I say this actually to my kids as well. And we
1: picked them. Like I am just as responsible, right? right? Yes, totally agree. And, yeah, absolutely. And let me also say that I was a participant in the marriage and. It wasn't all his fault. I mean, he made some really poor choices, but it wasn't all his. I had responsibility in that, too. So I need to to state that.
0: Right. Absolutely. And so I say in the book, you know, you have to once in a while glance back at that rearview mirror. There's a reason why the rearview mirror is much smaller than the windshield. And so... A lot of times people get stuck in the rearview mirror. They're focusing on woulda, coulda, shoulda, and why me, and why her, or why, you know, why him. They're focused on that rearview mirror. And I say, you need to change your focus to the windshield. You need to look outwardly at the next great chapter. But please make sure to glance back periodically into that rearview mirror so you can consider what did you learn? What would you want to change going into a new and different relationship? Or what do you want to change as you think about yourself in this next great chapter? So glance back, remind yourself what you've learned. That's what the rearview mirror is for, yeah. to appreciate a bit of where you've been, but your focus is is moving forward.
1: Okay, so one of your tools is um, look in the rearview mirror. And then you also shared with me the other day, which was get really clear on what you're looking for, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. So, you know, not necessarily what you're looking for in another person, but really get clear about yourself. So I have so many people call me and say, "Um, you know, I went through a divorce a year ago. I think I'm ready to date. What app do you think is the best app? And I'm like, oh my gosh, wrong question. (laughs) Like, let's not talk about what apps. There's way too many apps that I could even be aware of all of the choices there. But what I say all the time is, have you done your work inside first? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do the work on the inside, you're going to attract the same person that didn't work out for you the last time. So I, I really focus people on first getting clear about their strengths. What are the things that they do, you know, particularly well? What are the things that they do naturally that they're just good at. And I do that because that's a confidence builder for a lot of people mm-hmm. is to get really clear about their strengths. Because if you're going to start dating or, you know, having new relationships, you need to have a sense of confidence to you. The second thing I really focus on is around understanding your core values. What are your core values? Because your core values, they are your compass. Yes. They are that magnetic fourth And so if you're clear about those core values, you are more likely to attract others with similar core values. You're also able to quickly assess the people that you're meeting if you decide that you want to date to determine if there's a core values match. Because if there's not a core values match, then you need to move on and you need to move on quickly. And that's where people often miss the match. They jump right into dating without doing that inside work And then they attract the same person or, you know, they drag along in a relationship that's going to go nowhere. How do
1: you get clear on core values?
0: Really thinking about, I always tell people that one of the ways to think about core values, you know, when I ask people, what are your values? They'll rattle off, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. And then I ask them to look at them again, really from the perspective of their day-to-day actions. What are the things they do and say? That indicate that this is really a value, and I tell them that people out who know them well, but you know, are, are their friends or outside their life, would be able to identify at least two or three of their values based on what they see and hear and experience from you. That's a good test of whether or not your these are really your core values because values they're all good. What what would right? be? A, if, but if you say health is your value, okay, yeah, you know, so if, if, health would be an example. So. If you say health is your value, but you're doing all sorts of things that are not contributing to your health, then health is not a value, of yours. It sounds good, but it's not a value of yours. So what are you doing? So when someone says, well, health is a value to me, or family is a value to me, um, or financial freedom is a value to me, I say, what are the actions that you're taking on a daily, weekly basis? that activate that value in your life? How would I know that that value is is real? And so when someone tells me financial freedom and yet they're not doing anything to support their financial freedom and in fact doing things that um, take away from their ability to have financial freedom, I say it's not one of your values. Um, so that's how we help people to really come to terms and clear about what their core values are. I take
1: that. All right, so understanding strengths, um, what are your core values? Really do what you said was like, uh-huh. do your work first. Anything else as part of doing your work?
0: Yep. Absolutely. And then the third, well, the third piece about doing your work is around habits. So I, I really get them focused on what are the habits that are going to activate those core values in your life. So, and and how do you keep stacking those good habits? Because inevitably what happens when people go through difficult situations like a divorce or the death of a loved one or, you know, just difficult life situations, they lose a job. Yes. What they tend to do is uh, pick up bad habits. So those bad habits, you know, might be drinking, it might be sleeping in, you know, it might be not exercising, you know, so they kind of pick up bad habits. And so what we want to do is is change that wiring and really look at what are our core values and what are the habits we can stack on top of them to activate those values more fully. So for example, um, I go to Pilates every day. So health is a value. I go to Pilates most every day that I'm in town. Now, I've stacked onto that um, particular you know habit of going to Pilates most days that I turn off the radio, I turn off the phone on the drive to Pilates, and I use that as my meditation time. It takes me 12 minutes to get to my studio, and I've now made that, I've added that habit. That's my sacred time. So what are the things you can keep stacking onto your good habits So you can spend less time doing your bad habits.
1: (laughs) Love that. Uh, That I feel like in, I think it was Atomic Habits. He talks about putting an anchor, uh, having an anchor. That would be your
0: anchor that you added that habit to. That's your anchor. Got it. And then keep adding habits. So look at your positive habits that align with your core values and then keep stacking.
1: I love that. All right. What else? Tell us more.
0: Well, once we get through those three pieces, I actually suggest to people that you kind of, okay, now let's stop. Now let's just spend some time in this habit building, you know, strength building, value creation world. And, and once you get through that, then we get to the next two steps. The, the fourth step is really around getting clear about your why. So, you know, what is it? that is really driving your intention here. And, and focusing you on, I use an exercise that exercise that's called seven levels deep. Okay, And basically I'm literally talking to an individual and asking them why, 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 why seven times. And you know, it's funny because they get to the third time and they're like, what else do you need to know? And then I'm like, oh no, 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 let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. And in fact, you know, I did this when it came to creating the course that I have, um, around rediscover you. I mean, it's a lot of work. I have a full-time job. This is kind of my give back job, right? right? So some people call things side hustles. This isn't even a hustle. This is like my full on give back to women who are, who have gone through this because I know how difficult it is to recover. So, and, and I was, I have, I thought about creating a course. I thought about writing a book and, you know, I had talked about it for like six months. I went out and had a drink with a friend and she said, how are you doing on that course and that book? And I said, "Ah, oh, I really haven't put any time to it. You know, it just, it's so time consuming. I'm so busy. I really want to do it. And then I came home that night and I actually went through the seven layers deep with myself really? and really got clear about my why. And at the end of the day, what I determined is that if I could help one, one woman mm-hmm. get through this, the impact that it has on them as an individual, the impact that it has on their kids. Like, have I had I not recovered, my kids would not have recovered, right. you know? And so the impact is so great. So I just said, I can't not do this. I have to put the time in and and give this back to people so that they can recover. So- that's my why. And that is a powerful experience for people to really get that seven layers deep, to really understand. Because once you get to your why, you won't be able to stop. So
1: I I keep, I'm going to pull from my experience, right? And I'm sure others have felt this too. You know, when you're just so darn tired, you just are trying to get Mm -hmm. through the day, like focusing on a new habit Mm -hmm. or, um, taking time to look at your strengths. Maybe more for me, it would be focused on a new habit. I've done the strength thing. But um, how do you get over that hurdle? Because early on, I remember just getting up and going to work was all I could do. And some days I had to come home and sleep for an hour or two, get back to work. Uh So is it a timing thing for this? Maybe it's it's when you're through, kind of what you were mentioning before, when you're sort of through the the grieving process. Yeah, I think I'm still. I mean, I think I'll grieve for a long time over this. I don't think I don't see my grieving absolutely. No more the shock. I guess the 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 shock of it. Yep. Many of my guests who are incredibly resilient have struggled with mental health. I know I have, and asking them about it can be awkward at times, but it's more important than ever to start this conversation, to check in on them. My dad used to always say, if you break your arm, you go to the doctor, and if you have mental health needs, you do the same. If you're not familiar, check out Lindner Center of Hope. They offer inpatient and residential services for those who need a comprehensive evaluation. Lindner Center of Hope, 513 513- 536
0: hope so it's the grieving process is a very fluid process so you do go through these stages of you know anger and depression and bargaining and wanting to move forward they're they're fluid okay so you go in and out of those but you spend less time at each stage so you may have found that in the early stages, you were spending so much time in the anger phase, right? But you're probably not in the anger phase like you were a year ago. You know, the bargaining phase, like if we could change or this, we could pull denial. it together. We could do this.
1: Mine was like denial, the denial, denial, denial absolutely. for months and months.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, that's the second phase. So the denial phase. And so we kind of, we move in and out of that. And the way people will say to me, gosh, will I ever be ready? And I tell them to start counting the days, like start making note of being conscious either by journaling or just literally making checks on a paper. Um, like the, put the four stages and just put che- five stages, put a check so that you can kind of get, you can start to assess, you can start to measure for yourself. Am I, am I spending more time in the, I'm ready to think about this moving forward than I am in the denial phase? Am I finding myself, you know, kind of moving into this acceptance phase? So I get people to really just kind of measure for themselves where are they? And also there are triggers. So there are certain triggers Mm -hmm. that kind of push people back into the anger phase. They run into someone, they get a text, they, somebody says something, they, sometimes it can be, I saw a happy couple at the mall and it totally triggered me back into anger and denial. And so there are certain triggers. So I'll also say be conscious of those triggers. Not that you're not going to go to the mall anymore, but you know, you need to be able to prepare yourself. I'm going to the mall and I'm likely to see lots of happy families mm-hmm. um, because it's holiday time. So it, prepare yourself before you go in that this is what you're going to experience. So that grieving process is really an important process for people to use as a tool to measure kind of where they are and how they're moving through the process because it is a process and it is fluid. Yes.
1: I I also found that giving yourself permission to grieve as long uh-huh. as you need uh-huh. was so helpful because Yes. yes. I'm a I'm a uh check off my list kind of gal and i'm you know yep. going to do this i'm going to do step 1 and step 2 and 3 and 4 and we're just going to keep moving right we're going to keep mm-hmm. moving yep and That's i realized me. yes it is both of us i realized that <laughs> there were some days where i couldn't i i couldn't check it off the list there were some days that i had to just say wow this day is really hard I went on a trip actually to Iceland and it was my first trip. I went by myself. I went on a women's group. So it was curated and there were other people, but I didn't know anybody on it. And it was, it's Iceland. It's beautiful. Right. And I was so sad, Peg, like, I mean, really sad. And, I remember listening to Anderson Cooper's um, podcast on grief, and he interviewed a bunch oh, of people. Okay. It, it's, That's a good one, right? It's so good, and mm-hmm. he talked mm-hmm. about that just how grief—it's—it's it's not on a certain timeline, right? And to give yourself permission. The second I gave, oh, by the way, I was so sad on this trip, but then I was pissed at myself because I'm like, this is the most beautiful trip you've ever been on. You're so spoiled. You're like so sad. Why don't you just appreciate it? And then once I accepted that I was grieving, it was as if a light switch went off. And I was like, well, of course I am. I have not stopped for two years to slow down and to- yes do yes. something for me and this beautiful trip. And I realized that I really like to travel with friends and not by myself because I want to share it with them. But I had to <laughs> learn that, right? Yeah. Had to learn that. Absolutely. And I never Abs- would have learned. Yeah. Can we also talk about the fact that like, I never would have learned those things if I were still married. I would not have traveled on that trip if I were still married.
0: Exactly. So that, I mean, that's one of the things that you can look at now that, and that, that day you, you weren't able to think that way, but on this day and at this place that, you know, where you are today, you're able to look at things and experiences and say, had I not been single, had I not gone through this, I would not have had the opportunity to do this. And, you know, I think that all the time when I think about the course and the book and I think, gosh, had I not gone through this experience, I would not have learned how to do these things. So, you know, it's like the lemons to lemonade um, kind of of thing to think about, you know, how is it that you can turn something horrible into something that is not necessarily, is, is good. Well, it's,
1: this is where sort of the miracle of our last episode being you and me, because yes, the podcast started because I got sober and I closed a business and it was a way for me, uh-huh. it was, it was healing for me. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just thought, well heck, I'm going to interview people who give me hope and I hope that it gives yes. others hope. That was it. Like I, there was nothing else about this podcast other than I want people to know that they're not alone. And so there's heart like So a
0: difficult situation created a positive outcome yes. for you and that's what created this Just like the
1: same for you. Exactly the same for you. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like mm-hmm. this isn't your business. You're doing this as, as a give back. And that, that was also my, it's been my give back, even though I feel like I've gotten, every guest that has been on PEG has been, I believe, handpicked by God. I am not kidding you. They were the mm-hmm. people I needed to meet, the yep. people I needed to talk to right mm-hmm. there and then. And I know that sounds probably crazy selfish, but I, I just, I feel like that. But I also know that that so many people got so many things out of like they will yours tonight. I mean, it's just like, I think Absolutely. it's a reminder what you are doing and what Failing Forward has done is reminds people that they're not alone.
0: We're not alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was your why at the time. At the time... You wanted for yourself and for others to know that you're not alone and you can fail forward and, and you can recover. And that's what you've been doing for the last, how many years has it been? Six years?
1: Almost. It'll be six and it would be six in April. Almost six years. Yes.
0: Yeah. So you've been doing this for almost six years and, and so many, so many people that you don't even know you are going, you have touched and will continue to touch actually just in the existence of the podcast. So- now that you've been able to do that, you know, the fifth step of my of my course and the book is all about what is your your vision forward? What's that windshield out ahead of you? So yeah. I asked that question to you, Sarah, you know, what's what's your why for moving forward and what is the next great chapter of your life going to look like?
1: So I have no idea. And that's, that's why I'm taking okay. a pause, which I have oh. not always been good at doing and i was telling my coach i said i'm going to regret when i say this but i think i need to either take a pause from the podcast or i need to to have my final episode because i didn't have the energy as much behind it as i had before and uh-huh. m- that to me was my intuition i don't know higher power whatever you want to say saying yep. hey i think yep. you need to i think i want to use you in other ways I, yep. You don't know what those other ways are yet, but we're going to figure that out together. And it was yep. really hard because just like when I started the podcast, just like the last transition six years ago, which was talk about identity. Uh-huh. I mean, I was a good fun girl and I had this blow dry bar out, uh, whatever, and people knew me for that. And then when I took those two things yep. away, it was like, who am I? And I never want my identity to be so tied to something anymore that it, you know, I want to be me for me. And um, I was starting to become attached to the podcast. And the podcast is not mine. The podcast was something that I co created with you and all my other guests that were on there.
0: And yep, absolutely. So you said you wanted to be me for me. I'm curious like what does that mean? Why do you want to be like why is that coming to you the me for me?
1: Oh god, Peg. See listeners, this is why she's the best person to have on the show. Well, so many people that I've interviewed including myself when they failed something, when they failed at something, they were they were greatly attached to it. And highly resilient uh-huh, people uh-huh. are not attached to an outcome. Uh, it doesn't define their worthiness. And uh-huh. a podcast, um, an ex-husband, uh, sobriety does not define my worthiness. I'm worthy, just like everybody else. Yes, because I'm uh-huh. I'm a living human being.
0: Because you're you. So when you say, I wanna be me for me, that to me makes me think about, gosh, Sarah wants to like take a pause from these other things so that you can discover who me is. Maybe that's Who's it too, now? Craig. Who's me moving forward? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think about when I, when I hear you yeah. is like, you've been doing all of these things for other people and for, you know, that's, that's what you've been doing. You've been doing all of these things for other people and you've gotten to this place where you said, wait a minute, I need to be me for me. And I, you know, when so I said that, I don't so even
1: know if I knew what I was saying there and you just found that mm-hmm. brilliant nugget. Yeah, I do want to. Be, well, it just hit me. I do want to be me for me. Yeah. And yeah. I want everybody else listening to be able to be them, to be able to be there for themselves too.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so that's why whether they're forced changes in life or their choice changes in life, you know, you've had both, right? Yes. You've and have had this things is that you've choice. been forced to change your this life. Is really and this is a, a choice. choice.
1: Right. This is like a full yeah. choice which just is super new for me. Like why would you stop doing yeah. something when it's going so well?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You're in the top, like 1% of podcasts, right? So you're at this great place, but top two. Well, so, you know, because you've left this world, you've left this audience, this world, a better place because of what you've done and you're making a choice to transition. All of these other transitions I've heard from you are transitions that were not necessarily your choice. This is the first time I'm hearing you talk about sobriety transition sobriety that was a is choice. Your choice
1: sobriety was for sure a full choice yes cuz I could have gone well, a little a bit good, longer yep. on that one definitely but I stopped mm-hmm, before mm-hmm, yes mm-hmm. but the other two no yeah. no
0: mm-hmm, absolutely yeah yeah so this is your choice to be me for me i
1: also believe that the podcast was a gift that came about because I got sober. I feel like because mm-hmm. I pulled alcohol out of my life, it gave me more time mm-hmm. and brain and, and heart to give to something else. Mm-hmm. And so I've always said yep. it was my little sobriety baby. Yeah. So those two yeah. are full yeah. choices love that. together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But again, these were though, you know, and then you're giving, you know, your your podcast has really been about giving. And what I think is interesting in listening to you is as you're thinking about your vision forward, how do you not necessarily fall into something, but you construct that next chapter yes. that's me for me? So, and that, you know, yeah. me for me it becomes a mantra.
1: Me for me. I love that mantra. It's a good hashtag. Mm-hmm. So what I am going to be doing is I'm I'm going away this weekend with a friend and we are going to she helped me with my vision board literally I don't know a week after Dave and I separated or something and then we're redoing uh-huh. the vision board again and we're going to a great resort. But I'm also reading a book called The Artist's Way. And for any listeners out there, if, if you want to dive in and discover more about your creativity, this book guides you. I believe it's like 30 days. So I'm going to be doing that to start listening uh-huh. and to really tap into that intuition. And that's what I'm excited uh-huh. about. I don't know what will be next. Yes. I don't. And that's okay, because in the past for me, not knowing was very anxiety-provoking, and it's just not. It's just Mm -hmm. I'm opening up my hands like, okay, what I'll receive. Yep.
0: Yep, artist vision, start visioning. That is actually the last chapter is about in the book rediscover you is about creating your vision for your future and your vision board. And I always say to people that your vision board and your vision for yourself, it's aspirational. It's a dream. You're dreaming. Don't, you know, try to make it be what you are today. Just start dreaming. And so that artists, you know, palette, let yourself dream about where you want to go and what you want to do and let that vision come to you. And then there'll be parts of it that you'll be able to, that you'll achieve. And there'll be parts of it that won't be important to you once you achieve some of the things that are.
1: I want to say that uh, there were a couple really cool miracles that happened from some of the episodes. And some some of the guests shared some things that I never thought that they would share. And I really want to say thank you to my guests like you, Peg, for being on the show because for a lot of them it wasn't easy. It was scary to get on and share their life and and their struggles and what they learned and their tears, but also their accomplishments and all the good things too. But you know, sharing yourself with others in a vulnerable way is what my listeners really wanted, and my guests did that, uh-huh. and I will be forever grateful. To them. Forever grateful to them.
0: Well, there is no doubt that both your guests, as well as your thousands and thousands of listeners, are grateful for having had the opportunity to fail forward with you. Because what you taught everyone was that it's okay. It's okay to fail forward. And that's the beauty of what you've created here. So I thank you for letting me be a part of your final episode of failing forward thank you Sarah
1: Peg I love you thank you so much for doing this today listeners this was all um, freestyle like we had not gone into any uh-huh. of this um we were just gonna let it flow. Peg you did a really good job of letting it flow I, I oh, know I that did. you wanted to have some talking notes and everything like that bullet points but you did a really good I job. Did.
0: That Capricorn in me is just pervasive, but um, I was so, but but I loved it because we were able to get into, you know, some depth and some different kinds of things. And, you know, it, it was interesting. You asked about my family and my mom and my dad and my parents and my brother and my family, my sister, they shaped my whole life. They shaped who I am today. I wouldn't do any of this I, had I not had um, that.
1: I texted my family text and I said, want to let you guys know tonight's my last podcast uh, so grateful for this gift of sobriety and they cheer me on, you know, they were the first person i told. (laughs) So it's good stuff. I'm going to be, I'm going to be sad to not have this for a while. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to what's next. So thank you so much for being on today
0: so glad to be a part of it and your windshield that great big windshield ahead of you the next great chapter of your wonderful life sarah brown it awaits i can't wait to see it
1: i want to thank everyone behind the scenes especially adrian donica and the team at gwyn sound also please find us on social media outlets at fail forward pod